0: Welcome to the Humanity Matters Broadcast. I'm Dr. Philip Fletcher, your host, where we discuss and reflect on theology, philosophy, nonprofit leadership, and social justice. This is the podcast where we wrestle with the important question, what does it mean to be human? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Humanity Matters podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Philip Fletcher, and we've been talking about uh, human dignity. Uh, last time, we talked about what is it, and this week, we're going to look at human dignity and how it's understood in different faiths. And so, but before we get started, just want to uh, just riff on a couple of things that's been going on in our society. Uh, this past week, the uh, Democrats on Wednesday and Thursday, uh, they had their two teams out: ten candidates on Wednesday and uh, ten candidates on Thursday. Uh, these men and women who are vying for the uh, Democratic uh, to be the Democratic uh, nominee for president of the United States. And, you know, obviously, people are looking for the best candidate that's going to run against and. Uh, try to defeat uh, the current president, Donald Trump. But one of the things that, you know, stood out to me was on Thursday. I was I was uh, checking it out. Uh, There was a lot of back and forth going on. And Kamala Harris, she had chimed in and uh, she said, hey, you know, America doesn't want to see a food fight. uh, But what they're looking for is how we're going to provide dinner food for them on their kitchen table. You know, that kind of struck me because, Uh, I think a lot about human agency and how important uh, human agency is uh, instead of government agency. And what I mean by agency is uh, really our ability as human beings to determine for ourselves, whether we're men and women, what is best for ourselves, while at the same time, It doesn't harm somebody else, you know. So obviously, you know, I want to eat. I want to provide for uh, my family, and so I've got to figure out what is best for me and for my family while at the same time not harming somebody else. And so I found that interesting that uh, Miss Harris, who is running for uh, president of the United States, uh, seeking to be the first woman president of the United States, uh, she you know, basically said that, you know, for the president, the executive of the United States, it's his or her responsibility to provide uh, food on my table. And I was just one of those things I said, hmm, that's interesting. Now, human agency, while I want to be able to make a decision what is best for me and what's in my best interest, because nobody knows better uh, what's best for me than me and nobody knows what's better for my family than me. Uh, that does not preclude the presence of aid. That doesn't mean that, you know, I've got to go and ask somebody, Hey, you got a job? I need to work. I need to work. I need to make some money. I need to make this money so that I can provide for my family. And what my family likes to eat is A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. Right. So I've got to go out, find a job. A job that fits my skills, fits my interests, hopefully fits my my passion and my purpose in life. And then I uh, choose that job and hopefully they choose me. And so I need aid, right. Even if, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. uh, And so even when I go out, I've got a product that I've got to market. You know, I got to demonstrate, hey, you need this. And so I'll give you this. You give me some dollars. All right. So I'm still in need. I need aid. And so human agency, it doesn't say, hey, I don't need anybody. I am just a self-made person. But human agency, first, it prioritizes that I as a human being uh, know what's best for me and I have the ability to make those decisions. Uh, But then secondly, as a human being, I use my agency as well to reach out to other people or other groups and say, hey, can you Work with me, participate with me so that I can, in this instance, provide food for the table. So I just thought that was inter- interesting looking or listening to that debate. How uh, Miss Harris, and I would uh, wager to bet many on that stage think that government agency is higher than human agency, that there is an entity out there that uh, knows what's best for every. Individual household, and I just don't think that fits in reality. And I think if we look at our human experience, um, I think we would be, if we would be honest, we would say, "Hey, you know what? I know what's best for me." And when the opportunity is created, uh, the environment is is cultivated. I can um, take the skills, the knowledge that I've got, and be able to make a decision that's going to be in the best interest of myself, best interest of my family, even in the best interest of others, while at the same time not harming someone else and at the same time acknowledging that I'm going to need other people's help. So, you know, something I picked up on. I don't know if anybody else saw that, but I'm sure you can go back and pull the clip up and and listen to what she says and, you know, try to pick that apart. Uh, You know, the other thing that's going on in our society is this whole thing that's going on with immigration and, you know, the picture of the father and uh, his child. Uh, they were, you know, dead in the water. And, you know, just, you know, the sadness of that and the, and the number of men and women and children that are, uh, for whatever reason, uh, making this trip from Central America and, and Mexico and coming to our southern border and, you know, just what is going on. Down there, and I think asking myself as a personalist, a theistic personalist, you know, how how do how do I respond? How do I, I look at this? And you know, I like to uh, one consider um, some problems that we have. Is one of the problems is we have the problem of acknowledging uh, the fact that we're having a difficult time identifying the value of a human life. That you know, regardless of our nationality regardless of our ethnicity. uh, We're having a hard time being consistent in our application of the value of a human life. I think, second, we should acknowledge we all have some level of complicity uh, in this situation as we see these men and women and children, uh, for the most part, they're being used like political tools, toys, objects uh, to achieve some type of policy argument. And you know, this whole situation, you know, it's happening during President Trump's administration. It happened during President Obama's administration. I know many people don't want to talk about that, uh, but the facts show um, a lot of this was going on during that administration. And nobody really said anything. But, you know, now it's a problem. Um, you know, it was a problem during uh, George Bush's administration. It's going all the way back to Reagan's administration. I mean, that's the 80s. Um, and we're having a hard time, uh, one, acknowledging the value of these human beings, uh, two, acknowledging the fact that we all have some complicity in this. We got to look at the fact that what's going on in Central America, our tax dollars have contributed to some of the problems that are going on in Central America, and like a seed over months and years and some decades, now we're seeing the fruition of some of our uh, unjust interventions uh, all for the sake of quote unquote uh, democracy. So, hey, we got to ask ourselves, what are we to gain and what are we to lose in the identification and response to men and women who have different nationalities? But we have the same dignity and we all can identify with suffering. Think about that. What do we have to gain and lose? I think that's something we have to ask ourselves with the understanding that regardless of nationality, we all have a shared dignity, human worth. But we also have this other thing that we share in is that we all understand at some level suffering. And so human dignity, it transcends nationalities and ethnicities and political ideologies and uh Understanding of economic systems and suffering transcends those as well. And so those two things should have us be more compassionate and sympathetic uh, to what is going on in somebody's life. So thought for the day comes from Mother Teresa. And she said this, if we have no peace, it's because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. Think about that for a second. Mother Teresa, uh, saint of the Catholic Church. Uh, did a lot of work with the untouchables. Uh, she said, if we have no peace, it's because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. And I just want to thank y'all for uh, taking time to listen to this uh, Humanity Matters podcast. Hey, check out my website, philipfletcher.org. Uh, you can find me on Facebook as well. Just hit me up on my name. Make sure you spell it with two L's and you can find me on Twitter as well. And also Instagram, Dr. Philip Fletcher. And so we have no peace. It's because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. Mother Teresa said that. So peace from a Jewish understanding uh, is a shalom. It's a state of being which should impact our whole person. And when I'm talking about our whole person, I'm talking about our soul and our bodies. That we're one. We are one uh, person uh, this this mystery uh, this uniting of soul and, and and body and so to experience peace uh, is is an experience that should impact all of who we are as a person but then if you want to extend that out peace should extend into our home uh, should extend into our city into our schools into our workplace and so that's what I'm talking about. Uh, when I'm talking about peace. And so Mother Teresa is saying the reason we have no peace is because something mental has happened to us. And not only something mental has happened to us, I would add something uh, emotive, emotional at the heart has happened to us. We have forgotten. All right. We have uh, had a knowledge about something and we have placed it away intentionally or through a series of events unintentionally. And so Mother Teresa, she's standing on a truth, all right, that she's she's standing on a truth that we as human beings were all related, that we're tied to each other. Cornel West said it. uh, He described it as we're all belonging to the earth. Uh, Martin Luther King talked about we are tied together into this in this uh, inextricable, inextricable link of mutuality that we're all related together, but we have no peace. And the reason we have no peace is because we've forgotten that we all come from the earth. We're all brothers and sisters who have come out of the earth and that one day we're going to go back into the earth. So we can't forget that we're all related. And this truth, again, transcends all these other distinctions that that we've got. And so... Hey, we belong to each other. That's what Mother Teresa is saying. We are, men and women, are members of an exclusive group, the human race. Think about that. Nobody else. Just us. Not animals. Not, you know, atoms, cells. Not fish. Not the birds. Not stars and suns. Even as, as amazing as they are, they are not as profound as The human being and we'll get in you know last week we talked or two last episode we talked about how the reason that we are profound as human beings is because we've been made in the image and likeness of God but we're about to dig into that in a few minutes and so hey you know from our conception you know all the way to our death our dignity uh, binds us and calls us to participate with each other and so let's Let's have peace. And so the way we're going to have peace is as we actively remember on a daily basis that we belong to each other. And I think that's a a great truth that uh, Mother Teresa brings out to us. And it is important that as we go about our daily lives, this human experience, that if we want to know peace, It can begin with, one of the ways it can begin with is us remembering that we belong to one another. Hey, we'll be back in a minute after a word from our sponsor. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Humanity Matters Podcast. You can check me out on my website, philipfletcher.org, where I've got content, including a blog. Uh, I've got uh, YouTube videos. Obviously, you can access the podcast through the website and also you can get your gear. I got a T-shirt available and got a brand new T-shirt coming out actually uh, on Monday. And so I'll be putting that up on Instagram. Uh, It's being consistent about being uh, consistent about all of life, that all of life matters from conception, uh, from the womb to the tomb. It's just now looking at uh, some historical uh, comparisons. Uh, And so the shirt will be interesting, be a little controversial, want to provoke you to think and to read and to study. Uh, But once that shirt gets uh, posted, I'll be wearing it. Hey, then you can go to the website and order one, support what we're doing here uh, to uh, promote the understanding of theistic personalism from a Christian perspective and the value of all all life, uh, humanity. Matters, And so today uh, we're talking about human dignity and how is it, ex- what how we see it understood from different faith perspectives. And so, you know, obviously I want to look at it from a Christian perspective. We're going to look at it from an Islamic perspective. Then we're going to look at it from a Buddhist perspective. And so, you know, coming from three different angles. Uh, first, I want to say uh you know, my Christian faith is, is very important to me. I came to Christ uh, my senior year in college, uh, been through a lot of learning and study uh, personally, but then also academically. Uh, and it's been a process. I think this Christian life uh, for, for me is a journey and I think it's awesome. It's humbling. It's uh, sanctifying. Uh, it causes you to, to look at yourself uh, and then see how you, uh, who you are in relationship not only to God but also uh, to the world. And so human dignity from a Christian uh, perspective. I love the expression that's found in Catholic social teaching. Um, they have got human dignity like so nailed down, um, it's just amazing. I'm not saying that uh, Protestants don't have, some good stuff out there, but I tell you, uh, Catholic social teaching on human dignity, especially coming out of uh, Vatican II, uh, especially uh, with all the work that they did and the, the different encyclicals, and uh, especially through the work of Pope John Paul the uh, Second, uh, they are just knocking it out of the park. And one of the things that I found uh, in summarizing, they're under a Christian understanding of human dignity. It's the understanding that, uh, human dignity is based on God's perception of mankind, man and woman, that God who from the very beginning said, Hey, let us make man in our image in likeness. Okay. This is where we get this idea of the imago day. Um, That we are, what's imprinted on us, if you will, is is glory, is creativity, is love, is relationship, is all these dynamics uh, that uh, are existing in the Trinitarian God and then have been communicated, if you will, uh, these attributes have been communicated to us. And so God looks at the mass of humanity, okay, man and woman, all right? And essentially, like Psalm 8 says, hey, you're crowned with glory and honor. That uh, man's life should not be taken, woman's life should not be taken. Why? Because in the image of God, man and woman was created. That God breathed his breath into man. And we became living beings. And so the Supreme Personal God views the mass of humanity, all right, as having value and worth. Why? Because God has infinite value and worth. So God has infinite value and worth. He looks at man and woman whom he has made in his image and likeness as having infinite value and worth. And so then by extension... Men and women interacting with one another on a daily basis should be looking at one another as having infinite value and worth. And this and this transcends everything. Like everything. And so when you have two who are at at odds with one another, I'm driving real quick to application here. That before anything else, these two opponents, if you will, or these two enemies or these these two neighbors um, should first look at one another as having infinite value and infinite worth. And then from there, we proceed with our interactions with one another. Hey, second is uh, from an Islamic perspective, how do they view um, human dignity? Well, I found an article by Muhammad. Hashim Kamali, who wrote an article in 2017 and it was titled Human Dignity in Islam and its Impact on Society. You can find this article at the New Straits Times. Uh, and so, Mr. Kamali, he says this, and I quote, uh, The most explicit affirmation of human dignity, uh, which is called the Karama q- in Islam, is found in a Quranic verse where God Almighty declares, and, there, and he's quoting the Quran here, Uh, We have bestowed dignity on the children of Adam and conferred upon them special favors above the greater part of our creation. Close quote uh, from the Quran, chapter 17, verse 70. And so right there, uh, from an Islamic perspective, they they acknowledge that uh, for them, Allah conferred um, dignity on the children of Adam. Okay, uh, and so in, in 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 a similar vein, they agree with the Christian perspective, the Jewish perspective, uh, if you will, that God—we'll just use God—the uh, supreme deity made man and conferred upon man uh, dignity. On one sense, uh, where we can see a little distinction is. Um, Man and woman, and from a Jewish Christian perspective, were made in God's image and likeness. So there was no conferring that happened, Uh, whereas with Islam, uh, it was like a gift that was given uh, to mankind. Uh, Mr. Kamali goes on to say uh, from his article, and I quote, 20th century Muslim commentators have also gone on record to say that dignity is not earned by meritorious conduct. It is established as an expression of God's grace, as a natural and absolute right of every human person as of the moment of birth. It is God given. Hence, no individual or state may take it away from anyone. Close close, quote. Excuse me. So three things want to observe here. One, human dignity is not earned. And so from an Islamic perspective, they would say that um, you don't have to do something for someone to say you have dignity because from their perspective, God granted that dignity. Which is OK, awesome. So there's nothing meritorious, nothing outstanding, no set of rules, no boxes that you have to check from an Islamic perspective in, in order for you to gain dignity or for someone to say, hey, because you've done A through Z, now you have dignity. Now you're treated A different way. All right. The second thing I wanted to point out is that they say that every human being um, has dignity, and it's the absolute right of every human person. And they say from the moment of birth. I would back up and say from the moment of conception. All right. But from the Islamic perspective, they say from the moment of birth, every person, every human person, has the absolute right because of Uh, what has been conferred upon them to have dignity and worth. And so once again, it can't be taken from them. And then finally, uh, which I'm sure for a lot of people, especially in America, uh, you should stand up and applaud, right? No individual or state can take away your dignity. Now think about that. If we go through American history, all right, if we think about how Native Americans were treated, Um, how uh, blacks were treated, uh, how even now how Latinos are being treated. Any group of of people, there's always been this sense of uh, their dignity um, has to be fought for. Uh, Their dignity is being diminished or taken away by some set of laws or rules or where you can eat or where you can't eat or where you can drink from or where you can live, so on and so forth. But from an Islamic perspective, they're saying no individual can take your dignity away and the state cannot take your dignity away. And so your city council can't take it away. Uh, your legislature can't take it away uh, at the state level. The federal government cannot take it away. And it's kind of an echo of what's written in, in our founding documents that all men are created Equal And they're endowed with their creator with certain inalienable rights, namely these life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, you know. So uh, that's from the Islamic perspective. And so what we can walk away from them is that uh, dignity is conferred to human beings by God. Uh, Second, uh, dignity is not earned. It's for all human beings. It's the absolute right of every human being. And it cannot be taken from an individual and a state can't take it as well from a Christian perspective. Uh, we are image bearers of God and that dignity is seen first in God uh, and then God makes us in his, our image in, in his image and likeness and therefore we have that same dignity that is existing in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and that we should see and acknowledge that dignity in human beings that we interact with on a daily basis and finally, the Buddhists now, the Buddhists, they have some interesting things to say. And so uh, what helped me here uh, was an organization, uh, SGI, uh, the Sakagaki International. And they're an organization, uh, Buddhist organization based, uh, community based organization to promote peace, culture and education centered on respect for the dignity of life. And so uh, they point out and I'm quoting the starting point for Buddhism is the value and the sanctity of life. For example, in one letter to a follower, Nichiren states that the value of a single day of life exceeds all other treasures. Buddhism further takes the profound view that the life of the individual is inseparable from the vast universe itself. And so for the Buddhists, they're saying just the single day of life, of a human life in this context, exceeds all other Material things, all other wealth, whatever you are ascribing to something as being wealthy, whether it's material or, or, or otherwise, they're saying that your one single day of life has so much value in it. I would argue it exceeds all the wealth of, of Bill Gates or uh, Be- Bezos or um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg or any of the other persons who have any type of, of wealth. That's pretty huge. That's a pretty huge statement. I think uh, that can be helpful for us to understand just how valuable uh, we are as human beings. And then, uh, you know, for a Buddhist thought, human life maintains a unique position in the universe. As human beings, you know, we possess the agency to contribute to the good well-being or the detriment of persons in creation. And so from a Buddhist perspective, human dignity just continues to soar and soar through the power of choice and the opportunity for human beings on a daily basis to do good to their fellow neighbor, but then also creation as as well. And from their standpoint, it's for the attaining of uh, self, uh, self-perfection. self And so um We've looked at a Christian understanding. We looked at an understanding from Islam. We have looked at an understanding from uh, Buddhism. So, so what's the so what? And so, I just want to swing back, you know, around to our opening thought from Mother Teresa. Hey, we belong to each other. Even these different religions demonstrate that human beings—they all echo the same thing—that human beings, all of us, without distinction, have value and worth. And this value and worth is shared and it's something that we, we cannot forget. And when we forget, crazy things happen. You know, slavery, uh, treatment of people at the border, uh, you know, persons of a different sexual orientation being uh, marginalized and beat up and their life taken, uh, you know, Black men and women losing their lives in the streets due to gang violence or law enforcement. Uh, Native Americans being pushed off into reservations and suffering from alcoholism and and those types of things. But when we remember that we are related to one another, peace can erupt not only in our individual lives, but in the lives of those around us. Uh, you know, so... This is what we should be remembering and remembering. uh, Just think about how this impacts your leadership. Or if you're an emerging leader in some nonprofit or uh, church or other religious institution or business, think about how this can impact your life and the persons that you work with or lead. You know, if policymakers began with human dignity, you know, how would our policies And laws be developed to consider citizens and non-citizens of America. Something to think about. If we thought about beginning with human dignity first and how we're related to one another, how would that change this whole discussion on abortion and the legality of it? You know, I've even challenged myself in the past uh, week to remember the dignity of persons, especially with people who have sought not to have my best interests. People who just want to have conflict, uh, people who resist listening, um, remembering that the person that I'm talking to, either on social media or on a phone call or a text message, remembering that we're related. And since I've been remembering that, I'll be honest, my, my mind and who I am uh, internally and in my body has just been at peace. And so it's a difficult proposition, but uh, when we remember our shared humanity, it can go a long way in bringing about great change in all the areas uh, of our life. And so, hey, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, podcast. We've been looking at uh, human dignity as it relates to uh, faith and see how Different religions look at human dignity. Hey, next time we'll be checking out uh, how human dignity relates to the business world. And so whether that is a for-profit or a non-profit, um, and understanding, uh, really uh, pulling from the book I referenced, uh, in my last two episodes ago about everybody matters and that in our organizations, um, there's a why and there's a what. And our organizations have a what? That's what we produce, right? So McDonald's produces something, burgers. Chick-fil-A produces uh, chicken, right? Um, You know, Facebook produces social media content. Um, But the why is the people, the men and women who make up these organizations. And even I have had to remember uh, what that is about and then institute those changes. And so Um, that's it. I'll be checking y'all out later. Once again, you can visit the website, philipfletcher.org. Be looking for that t-shirt. Uh, that's going to be coming up. It's going to be fire. Um, and I'll be catching y'all soon. Y'all take care and God bless. This has been the Humanity Matters Podcast, discussing and reflecting on theology, philosophy, leadership, and nonprofits. For more information, visit our website, philipfletcher.org. Or you can shoot us an email, leave us a comment, email us at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Like us on YouTube under Humanity Matters. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. If we remember to live in hope, We can do the impossible.